Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Sometimes the times of refreshing seem to be gone and we're going through a desert period in our life. It's at that point, at that moment, that we could take this psalm up and we can find direction and how to pray and what to do so that we might experience times of restoration. The Bible in its entirety proves time and again to be the best guide for daily living, and possibly no book more so than the book of Psalms. As Pastor Ed begins a series today looking in depth at a few of these chapters, he reminds us of this book's vast insight into personal triumphs and tribulations of everyday life. Each psalm varies from joy to sorrow, from mountaintop to valley, with one theme weaving its way continuously throughout. God is always there to rescue, redeem, and rejoice with us. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Psalms, chapter 85, verse 4, with part one of his message entitled, Restore Us. The psalmist in Psalm 85 talked about the journey, and he talks about a recurring need in the life of the people of God and in the life of people within the household of God. So whether corporately or individually, we need times of restoration. We're going to look at just a few of the passages in Psalm 85, but we're going to be preaching from the whole psalm. Psalm number 85, verse 4. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation towards us. Will you be angry forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Our life, like the natural world, has seasons. There is the beauty of springtime and summer and fall and winter. And in our spiritual lives, we have various seasons. There are times where God just showers his blessings in abundance upon us. And other times where it seems like it's a long, extended, dry time. There are times where we're very aware and conscious that God is right with us. At other times, it seems like the heavens are brass and he's a million miles away. The psalmist was praying for a supernatural move of God's Spirit. This was a psalm written for the people who had come back from captivity from Babylon. They had been in captivity for decades. And now Cyrus signs a decree, releases them, and many of them go back to their homeland. They go back to Palestine. They go back to Jerusalem. They go back to Israel. And the years have passed. The book of Nehemiah, Ezra, 
record some of the events that transpire. And as the people are there, there is a great need again for a spiritual restoration. Sometimes the fires of devotion burn low in our life. Sometimes the times of refreshing seem to be gone and we're going through a desert period in our life. It's at that point, at that moment, that we could take this psalm up and we can find direction and how to pray and what to do so that we might experience times of restoration. Restore us again. You know, God is more willing to give us revival than we are to receive it. How many would like revival in their personal life? How many would like it in the corporate life? Most everybody would. Uh, one of the good things to do is just, to, in your mind, to stand and take a piece of chalk and just draw a circle around yourself and then say, Lord, revive everybody inside of that circle. Let revival start with you. Start in your heart, in your life. And the psalmist is going to take us through some steps in this psalm to bring us to a place of spiritual restoration and renewal. He begins by saying, look at the past, but look at it insightfully. Because sometimes we look at the past and we simply see it through the eyes of unbelief. Now, the eyes of unbelief would have said, you know, it was a political change in policies that now the nation is allowed to go back to their homeland. Cyrus just made a political decree. That's all it was. But the people of God realized that there was a prophetic word spoken generations before that God would stir upon the heart of Cyrus and he would allow them to go back. When you look at the past, whether it's a corporate, the people of God, or whether it's individual, how do you look at it? With eyes of unbelief or eyes of faith? That determines how you see it. That determines how you interpret it. To be able to see from God's perspective. And so the psalmist encourages us to do so. In Psalm 85, one says, you showed favor to your land. Now, the psalmist was looking back and he was thinking about how the land and the people were connected. When the people obeyed God, God blessed the land. When the people disobeyed God, God poured out his judgment, his wrath upon the land. The people in the land were intimately connected. And he, when he was angry, and according to Amos, he would send no rain to us area, or he would send a drought or a plague. Uh, God would judge the land, and God sent his people into captivity out of the land. And now the psalmist looks back and he remembers how God restored them. God restored us. In verse one, you restored the fortunes of Jacob. Notice that it uses the name Jacob. Jacob was a patriarch in Israel. Uh, he 
wrestled with God as he was coming back into the promised land and God changed his name to Israel, which means a prince with God, a prince with man. It it represented a change in character, a change in who he was. Have you met with God and all of a sudden experienced his power and all of a sudden a change takes place? That's what happened in Israel. God restored them. See, he brought them out of Egypt into the promised land. He brought them out of captivity in Babylon to the land that he had promised them. Uh, God did that geographically. He did that spiritually. He does that in people's lives. He does that corporately. The nation had suffered because of their disobedience, their love of idolatry, their hearts turning away from God. Sin always brings suffering. It's just the way it is. And it brings God's discipline. But God was going to give them back what the enemy had stolen from them. He was bringing them back into the land. Now, we could look at nations, We could look at individuals. We could look at the larger picture of history, but we could look at the history of our life. Hasn't there been things in your life that the enemy has stolen? Maybe your peace. Maybe your relationship with God. Maybe something else that you valued. And the thief, the robber, who came to steal, rob, and destroy, has taken from you. Now, could you remember God stepping in and restoring And he restores in remarkable ways. He is a God of restoration. And so what the psalmist is doing at this point is he's saying, look back and remember. So often our memory is tainted by our sinful nature and we look through the lens of unbelief. And as we look at the past, we fail to see the many blessings that have followed our life. And so the psalmist says, no, look back and remember what God has done. Think about how he's blessed you, how he's protected you, how he has again and again restored you. I think that always when he restores us, it's always connected to his forgiveness. When God forgives us, he restores us. And the psalmist goes on to pray, and he remembers, God, you forgave us. In verse 2, you forgave the iniquity of your people, covered all their sins. The sin of the nation was great. But somehow, we're so constituted, when others are sinning, we tend to follow the crowd. And so in Israel, everybody was involved in idolatry. They were a nation of liars. And on and on the list of sins goes. And that's the way it is here, even in our nation. What everybody is doing. Everybody cheats on their tax returns. Everybody lies. We've been called a nation of liars. It's a way, a culture of America. But don't think because everybody does it, God won't judge it. He judges nations. He judged Sodom and Gomorrah. See, when we walk with God, we're not following what everybody else is doing. We're endeavoring to follow his holy word. 
We're marching to the beat of a different drum than this present world. No matter if the culture is going down, we need to be going up towards God. No matter if they're going away from God, we need to be going towards, towards the Lord. And so you can see that God doesn't work by a majority vote. It's his vote that counts and his word that stands. We're going to see in our nation a continued growing violence. We sometimes don't make the connection between all that's happening and our turning our backs on God. Uh, we're, we're seeing things crumble around us, but we remember times of great awakening. I remember the first great awakening and the second great awakening, times with Finney and times with Jonathan Edwards, where our nation was literally changed. And usually revivals last for a year, two years, the most, maybe three in some places. But generally speaking, generally speaking, that's what Peter Wagner and others who study revival have said to us. I believe that if we look back and we draw from the past and say, God, I remember all the good things that you've done. You've done it in my life. You've done it in the history of others. You've done it in the church. God, do it again. Now, just stop for a moment and think about that. Would you say with me and would you pray with me, God, revive us again. Say it out loud. God, revive us again. Make that your prayer. Make that your passion. Make that the prayer that you pray this coming week as you look at Psalm 85, as you take the scripture and say, oh God, restore us again. And here's what the psalmist prayed in verse three. You set aside all your wrath. You turn from your fierce anger. We know what it's like to be under his wrath or displeasure. And then all of a sudden have God turn and show favor towards us. And so that's what the psalmist was saying. Oh God, I want to experience your favor. And so he's remembering what God did. He looks back insightfully over history and he sees the hand of God watching and guiding and leading and restoring and forgiving, covering the sins. Remember when your sins were covered? Remember when they were washed under the blood? Remember times when you've gone to him and said, oh God, and God has answered the steps towards restoration involve, first of all, looking back insightfully over the past and remembering his mercies, how he restored, how he forgave. And now the psalmist moves on to looking at the present. He doesn't put rose-colored glasses on, but he looks at it realistically, looking realistically at the present. In verse 4, he says, and put away your displeasure towards us. Can you see God's displeasure over our nation? Let me just read a couple of verses. One found in Isaiah chapter 66. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. In Joel the prophet, Joel says, help, Lord, help us. 
The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures. The flames have burned up all the trees. Even the wild animals cry out to you because the streams have dried up. And fire has consumed wilderness pastures. What's happening with the fires across our nation? You can gather together the greatest economist, the greatest minds from Harvard and Yale and Princeton and wherever, and let them tinker with all of their understanding with the economy. If God says, I'm judging you, and I'm judging your economy, doesn't matter what the greatest minds plan or what they try to do. If we recognize that as, and again, Amos, Amos says that God in anger, he said, I'm going to allow no rain over those fields, and those fields would dry up, and the harvest would be nil. God is a powerful God, and he is sovereign. The woes, the problems of our nation, I believe they're connected with our disobedience to God. Now, that's happened throughout history. We've seen times and seasons of judgment throughout history, and it happens throughout not only our history, but throughout the world. But it takes a prophetic eye the spiritual mind, the heart of God and the mind of God to understand what's happening. Look what happened in Colorado. And look what's happened over the past number of decades with the increasing growing of violence. And so he looks at the situation and he says, restore us again. Verses four to five. He said, God, you did it in the past. I'm looking at the present and what had happened was the people now were in the promised land and they became preoccupied with their own homes to neglecting the house of the Lord. They became preoccupied with their own lives. And again, you read about it in the Minor Prophets. You read about it in Nehemiah and in Ezra. Restore us again, O God our Savior. Put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? These newly freed Jews had lost their enthusiasm for the house of God. What has happened in our nation? More and more people are forsaking the house of the Lord. More and more people want to have their ears tickled and want to hear things that are merely appealing to them. So it was in biblical times, so it is today. More and more have lost the passion to be in the house of God with the people of God. It's a sign that we need restoration in the nation. It's a sign that we need God to show up once again in a powerful way. We have lost our sense of accountability to God. We've made man an end in himself so that he sits and rules and reigns and what the Pew Foundation says or what the Gallup poll says or what some other poll says, that becomes the rule of the land. It's man wise in his own eyes and we are calling wrong, right, and right, wrong. God 
restore us. Restore us. And then he prays. Not only restore us, but revive us. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Years ago at a board retreat, I gave out to all of the board members a prayer book written by Puritans. And to read some of the prayers and to pray some of those prayers were so powerful. They were searching. I think we as Christians ought to write our own prayers. We ought to pray extemporaneously. And we ought to look at some of the devotional writers of years past who had a deep relationship to God and prayed to God. I would love to take some of maybe Jonathan Edwards' prayers as he prayed for national revival and say, oh God, grant it again. Revive us again. You did it in our nation. I remember going down to Pensacola with a friend of mine. As we went down to Pensacola, there was a lasting impact on all of our lives. But he was talking to me about it the other day. He said, you know, I remember. And he said, I've never been the same. I think about in our nation how Pensacola and Toronto literally changed the face of Christianity. The high church, Anglican church, many of them went up to Toronto, some went down to Florida. Many of the churches were influenced, Christians were influenced. You would stand on lines in Pensacola, and as you were standing in a line, you would feel the presence of God. People would just immediately start worshiping the Lord. I I could think about our church. There were times where the presence of God was so powerful that you couldn't even stand in the front. I remember times where the Spirit of God would move and we danced in the Spirit around this sanctuary. See, there are times of restoration, times of revival. We need those seasons in our life and our prayer ought to be, God, send a move of your spirit among us. Send a move of your spirit to faith assembly of God. We want you to work in our hearts, to work in this community of faith. God, send the fire. God, renew us. God, revive us. God, restore us. God, work in our lives. See, sometimes we just seem to drift away and we go into sort of a mechanical routine and we lose the sense of his awesome presence. Oh, God, come into this place. That's what our church needs. That's what our community needs. In the psalmist prayed in verse 7, this is a prayer. They sang it in the sanctuary. They prayed it among the people of God. And they said, show us your unfailing love, Lord. Grant us your salvation. Oh, God, that word salvation means deliverance. Grant us your deliverance. Oh, God, may people walk in this church and be delivered from the powers of the enemy. May people in this congregation experience your mighty power because, God, in the natural, we're not strong enough. But, God, when you show up, it all changes. When you show up, oh, God, things change in our lives, in our community, in the church. And, God, revive us, restore us, Again, Jonathan Edwards said, when God is about to do a great work, he pours out a spirit of supplication. Now what I want you to do is just in your mind, take that piece of chalk, stand in the center of it, and draw that circle around yourself and say, Lord, send an anointing, a mantle of prayer in my life that I might wait and seek and call on your holy name, that I might stand in the gap and that I might know your power. God, revive us and restore us. 
The Psalms are a wonderful place to turn to when in the midst of the most difficult times in this life. Pastor Ed will be sharing four special messages from the book of Psalms with hopes that you'll be encouraged each time you join us. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to www.voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.